This is the Nona.fm Meet the Candidates podcast, an unbiased conversation with a candidate for a local political office. This is a free public service of Nona.fm. You're listening to the Nona.fm Meet the Candidates podcast. If you're a registered candidate in a local political race, we invite you to join the conversation. Please reach out to Gabby at Nona.fm at 407-553-NONA, extension 402. Now, back to our interview. Thank you for listening to the Nona.fm Meet the Candidates podcast. This is a free service of Nona.fm. If you are a registered candidate in a local political race, we invite you to join the conversation. Please reach out to Gabby at Nona.fm at 407-553-NONA, extension 402. This podcast has been produced by Gabriela Perez-Ortiz. So we're here with the Meet the Candidates series continuing today. Heather Ashby joins us. She's running for Orange County Public Schools District 2. Hi, Ashby. Hello. How are you doing? Very, very good. I appreciate you coming in, talking to us here at Nona.fm and uh, being part of the Meet the Candidates series. Of course, it's a runoff, and uh, you are running against Maria Salamancus uh, coming up on November 8th. Yes, I am. And it's going to be here quick. Very quick. Absolutely. So one day you woke up, said, I want to run for Orange County Public School Board. Why is what happened? And it's funny that you say that because that is kind of how it felt where I jumped in and thought, what did I do? But I am a school counselor currently. I I work in Orange County Public Schools and education is my life. And a conversation had taken place with myself and several other teachers where they were just very concerned with the field and and who may be trying to run for school board in this upcoming election and they said boy i wish you know somebody like you would run and i laughed it off and you know went to bed and the next morning woke up and said i'm gonna do it and, and that started the whole ball rolling fantastic so you, you've you've survived a primary that had i think four folks running total Total of five, so four others. Four others, okay, Mm -hmm. gotcha. I was trying to count them in my head. But um, so so congratulations on that. And now moving forward, what are the particular issues or or issues that you see that are the most, what what were they saying? Obviously the conversation went deeper as to what it is you need to fix. It wasn't just who was running, but what issues are they facing in the classroom? So I would say ultimately, We can boil it down to three major issues that people are the most concerned about. Um, The first is the mass exodus that is happening in public education statewide and and really nationwide if you want to boil that down. And so teachers that are sticking around feel really overwhelmed because as people vacate, they have to kind of pick up the pieces of what's left. And when you cannot find a qualified teacher to take over, you have a parade of substitutes going through a class. You have students who are not really receiving instruction. You have teachers who normally teach that subject who are trying to intercede and provide lessons and grading extra papers and know they're not getting paid any extra money for this. And so then that burnout rate and that feeling just worn down continues to grow. And So the first thing that we have to look at and we really need to address is not only, you know, obviously attracting new people to the profession and certainly into Orange County, but then how do we retain and support our our current teachers um, so they stay? Do you think it's money? I think money is a big piece. 
And of course, everybody wants more money. And, you know, there are some things that are in our power when it comes to money. And there are some things that, you know, we may have to work with the budget that we have. Um, and then we have to start looking at reallocating. But an essential part of that is really listening to what are we asking teachers to do? How much of their own personal time are they giving? And, and giving them the support that they need so they're successful. So we can keep them in the classrooms working with the students. One of the things that I've noticed, and, and I started seeing this, um, it, it, things seem to change a lot since when I was a kid. And then when I'm my kid, my kids are no longer in the school system there. They've actually got kids now in the school system, grandkids. <laughs> so you have grandchildren. Then. Yes. But um, the way supplies have been handled, when I was a kid, everything just came from the school because you could tell because everybody had the same thing mm -hmm. in every classroom. And then, of course, later on, it was put on more of the parents to purchase that. But we hear every year how the teachers have to purchase so much of their own supplies. Is that because the parents are not are falling off from providing that? Who do you think should provide that? I know we kind of went in a tangent there, but. I mean, ideally you would hope that the schools provided the necessary supplies for teachers to do their lessons. Um, that has never really been my experience and I've been in education for over 25 years. So I do remember in the early days teaching and providing my class list of all the things that, you know, I wanted students to have so we could be successful in the year. Then as I had children in the system, I remember seeing, you know, the list that would come and I always thought, like, doesn't everybody send this in? Like, here, yes, take it. And, and really now, less and less, things come in. Some schools, yes, the, the parents have the ability to provide those supplies, but not every school has a community that has that access. And, and so when it doesn't come in, they have to look for other ways to, to find those supplies. I have a a high school friend who is an elementary school teacher on the west side of town and you know she shares amazon wish lists she puts out you know sponsors of children so people will buy books for them so that they have a book to go home and practice reading you know so besides just paying for it herself you know she's veteran enough to realize she has a community that will help support her when she puts out those wish lists but it is really up to the teachers to kind of figure out if I want to do this extra. If I'm telling a child to go home and read tonight, I need to make sure they have a book to read. Right. You mentioned uh, the teacher exodus. That's that's one of the subjects and, and bringing in new talent. What are other areas that you see where, that, that are problems? Well, of course, everybody's concerned of school safety and um that I'm not going to go into detail with, but I will tell you I've had a very detailed conversation with the Orange County Sheriff's Department, who, by the way, I do have the FOP endorsement. Um, Fantastic. But there are some security issues. There's ways that we can strengthen, you know, our campuses. And, and that's definitely something I want to look at and, and have further conversations about. I just don't want to publicly explain where those concerns would be. If you can understand why. I can definitely understand why. Thank you. That okay. makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. And I think you mentioned there were three things. Is there a third there, thing? There is a third thing. And that is the mental health piece. Um, as gotcha. again, I, I am a, a counselor by trade. And right now, I will say, especially post-COVID, the amount of anxiety we are seeing in students, um, both socially, but then just you know, OCD tendencies, panic attacks, just it, it's very high, much higher than we've ever seen before. And 
we need to look at what are the needs of our students. Not only are they recovering from a world that was in their ways shut down for, you know, a year and a half. So yes, we do have academic setbacks, but they've also had a lot of social emotional setbacks and making sure that we're able to provide those supports as well as those academic supports, I think is extremely important. And when you start looking at the numbers of counselors and social workers and mental health counselors we have in the district, we cannot nearly um, provide the students the level of support that they need. And COVID COVID was hard on all of us. I think in Florida, you know, when I've talked to friends outside of Florida, we don't know what hard was as far as COVID. We, we, Got, we were back mainstream pretty quick compared to a lot of places. And then, but, and, and even in kids, I've read about this a lot. So children have a different frame of reference when it comes to time than we do. So for them, this lockdown was a lifetime. Yes. And, and so that's something I think a lot of grownups don't realize is how, you know, somebody used a great reference. It's a remember when you were a kid and you saw your girlfriend on Thursday and you weren't going to see her again until Tuesday. That was a lifetime. As adults, we're like, yeah, it's a weekend and a work day and no big deal. But for a, for a kid, that's a lot. And we just don't grab that reference. I think there's a lot of frames of reference we just don't get when it comes to kids and how hard this was on them. Incorrect. And yes, they may have been connected with like social media, the older children, But we know that is not the same type of camaraderie or companionship that real people, you know, that that's surface, that's insincere. And then you get people who are wrapped on that their entire perception of life is based on how many likes they get on a post or, you know, it's like we push them further in that direction. And and now they just sometimes don't know how to socialize. I don't know if you've watched, maybe I don't know how old your grandchildren are. It's interesting when you see a group of students anywhere, I would say from, you know, whatever age you would think that they'd be holding cell phones. So upper elementary school, maybe let's say have their own um, on and you can watch an entire group of them and they're not talking to each other. They may be sitting near each other, but they're all on their screens. They're all on their phones. They're communicating via social media or other things, but they're kind of losing that connection. And so school makes them connect, right? The, the, the phones go away for a certain sense. You're having interactions in class. And when that was pushed virtually, they lost most of their live interactions. Absolutely. You know, it's just like these interviews. We, we could do these virtually. We have the technology. But in person, face to face, you just can't beat that. And that's why we built this facility. Because I still think face to face is the most important. And and we're seeing business travel come back. And so I think we all down deep understand that face to face is just critical. Absolutely. It allows you to know that those interactions are authentic. Right. And you kind of lose that on a screen, even with Zoom. Yes, absolutely. So you mentioned uh, the uh, you had one endorsement from the FOP, I believe it was mm-hmm. the um, the Fraternal Order of Police. I'm also endorsed by CTA, the Classroom Teachers Association, the AFL, CIO, FEA, um, Florida for All. I know I'm missing other ones, but I, I would say the things that I'm most passionate about is the fact that the teachers and the police are supporting me because my right. issues really directly go to their support and their needs. Absolutely. 
Well, fantastic. Is there anything you'd like to say in wrapping up today? In wrapping up today, I think I'd just like to stress that, you know, when, when people go to the ballot and they're making a choice to, to remember what you're choosing. And this is not really a – this is a nonpartisan election right. for school board. I believe you should put the person in the seat that has the background. And I've been in education for over 25 years. I've been a classroom teacher. I'm a counselor. I sit in lots of meetings. This is my love. This is my background. So just as if you were going to have a medical procedure, you would want people on your team who had medical backgrounds. If we're going to make educational decisions, we need to have people that have a background in education. How's the best way for people to, to, if they want to learn more about you, connect with you, how do they do that? Well, they can go to my website, ashbyforschoolboard.com. I'm also on Facebook. I have an Instagram, but I can tell you I'm not great about (laughs) tweeting and doing the Instagram. I'm not good with the gram. I'm not either. Luckily, I have 20-something daughters who do help assist me on that that front. Great. Um, But yes, definitely Facebook, online, send me an email. I, I would love to connect. Heather Ashby, running Orange County Public Schools. Uh, board district number two. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. This is the Nona.fm Meet the Candidates podcast, an unbiased conversation with a candidate for a local political office. This is a free public service of Nona.fm. You're listening to the Nona.fm Meet the Candidates podcast. If you're a registered candidate in a local political race, we invite you to join the conversation. Please reach out to Gabby at Nona.fm at 407-553-NONA, extension 402. Now, back to our interview. Thank you for listening to the Nona.fm Meet the Candidates podcast. This is a free service of Nona.fm. If you are a registered candidate in a local political race, we invite you to join the conversation. Please reach out to Gabby at Nona.fm at 407-553-NONA, extension 402. This podcast has been produced by Gabriela Perez-Ortiz.